Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply guess who's back they want to know how I feel about if it. you ain't up on pains. Return of the man. It is. Return of the man. Come on. Return of the man. Oh, my God. You know that I'll be back. Here I am. We are back, baby. We are fucking back. We are back. Yeah. Classic. We are back. That's We right. are back. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Hello everyone, I am Garrett Sisti and look who's here too. Say hi to the folks. Hey everybody, long time no talk. (laughs) That's right, like your favorite Undertaker meme, we are back. (laughs) Risen from the dead, the Lightning Round Podcast. Uh, Jamie and I talked, and uh, because these particular circumstances we're all in, we thought we should record, and maybe, just maybe, you know, surprise would kind of brighten somebody's day. So, welcome everybody. Somebody's day? Come on. Everybody's day. You know that. Come on. (laughs) Let's hope so. So, what we decided to do is we're going to cover the Chargers' sixth overall pick. We're going to talk about everybody that's been mocked to the Chargers Jamie and I have done some studying of all these guys now, so we've got some opinions. We're going to give it all to you, how we feel about it, how we think they should go. You ready to get back into this, Jamie? Yeah, let's do it, man. That's what we're here for. Good. Let's knock the rust off a little bit. Okay, so let's start with the quarterbacks. We'll start with uh, the the three names that we've seen mocked to the Chargers, and the first one is Tua. How are you feeling about Tua? Uh, Tua is my number one rated prospect and my number one rated quarterback. Number one overall. Yep. Okay. I'm a, I'm a big Tua fan. I think he is special. <laughs> Heat seeking missile. We're not even a minute into this. I think he is special. Uh, he may not have the strongest arm in the class, but I think he does a lot of things from a football IQ standpoint, an anticipatory standpoint, the way he scans the field, the way he anticipates throws, things like that, that just make him elite and special. And I think that in the right system, 
with the right weapons, I think he's going to be very, very, very good. Yeah, so, you know, it's probably no surprise if you followed either of us on Twitter, and and we know you do, and um, we have both made it clear that we both like Tua. And uh, I'm a big fan of Tua, too. I think he's QB, two. I think he's the perfect fit for the Chargers here at six. Tua is... Uh, much better than people are giving him credit for. I think everybody is so focused on that that injury and him being injury prone that everybody just wants to be hands off with him. But I mean, he seems unfazed when there's chaos around him. He seems always poised. He's constantly surveying the field, maintaining a safe pocket. He's deadly accurate, good improviser outside of the pocket. He can make all the throws at all the levels with all the velocity. Whether he's got to have a soft touch down the field or if he's got to throw that fastball, he's got it all. And I know that the injuries are scaring everybody off. Uh, he had that hip injury in 19, but according to those recent workouts, he looks pretty good, and he looks ahead of schedule to me. And for the Chargers, Tua is it. I know he is for you, obviously, because he's the number one player, but he is an electric field general. He's going to be a franchise quarterback. The Chargers will have to find a way to get Tua. If you got a trade-up, trade-up. It is hashtag Tua or bust, or hashtag trade-up for Tua. It is all Tua, all Chargers. We are putting our lightning round podcast stamp of approval on Tua. Correct, Jamie? Absolutely. Yeah, he's been – I to be honest, I didn't think he'd be my number one rated prospect. I went in expecting it to be uh, Joe Burrow. But after watching the film, just seeing the way he can put the ball wherever he wants at different – at all three levels of the field, mm-hmm. the way he can manipulate the pocket, move around to buy time – um, he can make the big play. He can dump it off to take you know the five yards that he needs. Uh, he's got the escapability that you like, but he's a pocket passer. I think first and foremost, he isn't yeah. really that like tuck it and run after one read quarterback that you see so often coming out of college. And there are a couple of those in this class too, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of Tua, I th- I just think that. He does everything well. I think the only real questions that I have, and not really questions, but kind of nitpicking criticisms that I have are, I think he has a tendency to hold on to the ball a little bit too long. Um, his receivers are so good at Alabama that I think he is married to the big play at times and needs to learn to get the ball out just a little bit faster uh, and take what the defense is giving him more often to save himself. And I think that'll help him protect himself. And I think if he slides and learns to protect himself physically by getting down and avoiding the big hits and getting rid of the ball faster, he has a better chance of staying healthy. So I'm a big Tua fan. I think these. I think his only real deficiencies, like I said, are things that can be coached out of him uh, in the right system with the right coaching staff, and I think he's going to be extremely, extremely special at the NFL level. There's a comparison. I've heard people compare him to Drew Brees, which I thought yep. was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um the one that I keep coming back to, and not that he's going to be at this guy's level, but I, you would think that people would make it, is Steve Young. Because he's left-handed? Uh, well, not just because he's left-handed. He's a good athlete. He can run. He can buy time. He can make plays with his legs. He can make all the throws. He's deadly accurate. He's highly efficient. Um, he does everything well, uh, just like Steve Steve Young did. So mm-hmm. that's a comparison that I would have thought that you'd, you'd hear more of. But for whatever reason, we haven't. But anyway, yeah, two is my number one. I love the guy. I think they have to be all in on him, uh, whether whether it's staying at six to get him, trading up to get him, whatever. They they have to be all in on him and do what they can to get their hands on him because I think that is the face of the franchise they need. Uh, you can sell Tyrod Taylor to me all you want as QB1, getting his first oppor- his first big opportunity. He's a nine-year veteran. What we've seen from Tyrod Taylor is what we're going to get. I don't think he's going to get a whole lot better regardless of the weapons around him. He just is what he is. This team needs a marketable, recognizable, bankable face of the franchise that young fans can get with, that people all over the country know who he is. I think he brings in a whole new um, a whole new segment of the fan base with the Pacific Islanders on the West Coast. And I think he just opens up all kinds of marketing opportunities and uh, just opens the door to all kinds of young fans coming in to watch the next great quarterback play. So that's why that's why he's number one for me. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting you'd go there. But yeah, I mean, he puts butts in seats. Tyrod Taylor isn't selling you tickets in that new stadium. So uh, to a definitely that Pacific Islander is a great point. Something I was going to add to uh, the sliding aspect. Of Tua, I mean, that's a lot with a lot of these college quarterbacks. They don't know how to get down. They're always trying to get the extra yards, and uh, that'll obviously be coached out of them, like you mentioned. And 
listen, man, he's got so many weapons at Alabama and looking for that big play isn't the worst idea. Sometimes you just want to take what you can get, like you mentioned, and maybe make some of the more safe throws. But, you know, I-, I love him. He is electric. He is definitely a face of a franchise, and he's the guy that the Chargers needs to go after. We always put our stamp of approval on a player every year. Uh, we weren't expecting to do it this year. I mean, we kind of did it on Twitter, but here we are. Two is the guy at six. Absolutely. No doubt about it. So the next quarterback that's being mocked to the Chargers a lot is Justin Herbert. So I think Herbert's got all the intangibles. He's got a big arm, good size, uses his feet to extend plays. He's best when it's scripted. He's going to be good in a quick-timing offense. He's an accurate passer, generally smart with the football. He's got the physical skill set. He was held back by his offensive coordinator, which I, I think hurt him. It hurt him, but also holds some truth. Everybody talks about how he was way too conservative, but I understand that part. While you can argue his supporting cast wasn't great around him and didn't do any big favors for him, there are a lot of big question marks for me. One, Herbert is a one-read quarterback. He does not work through his progressions often enough, and everything is by the script. Uh, when things don't go as scripted, everything breaks down, especially when he has to throw on the move or outside the pocket. When under pressure, he's careless with the football, and he absolutely shrunk on important downs and vital game situations, in my opinion. Oregon constantly tried to take the football out of Herbert's hands late in games, and they did not trust him. While I get the appeal, and I, I know there's a lot of negatives there, I completely understand why people love him. He's got the traits, except for the ones that are important for in-game tendencies for an NFL quarterback in order for him to succeed. I don't want Justin Herbert. People love Justin Herbert. I'm not I'm not completely down. I would not loathe it, but I am not a fan of it at all. I think he's fine, and that's part of the problem for me. He will be a guy to me that's got the talent, but just won't be able to push it past with all those shortcomings when he's late in games and money downs. He reminds me, and since we're doing comps now, uh, what, while watching him, he reminded me of Ryan Tannehill. And I know I've dropped that comp to you before, but... He seems to me like an NFL starting quarterback. He's going to need a stellar supporting cast, uh, much like Ryan Tannehill did with Tennessee. He had an amazing offensive line. They ran the offense through Derrick Henry, and Tannehill had to make a few throws. But to me, teams are going to lose more games because of Herbert than win. This is like you know the Miami version of Tannehill, the Jay Cutler, the Joe Flacco, that whole got the intangibles but just cannot put it together and push it past. I'm not a fan of Herbert at all. I do not want him at six. Um, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I I believe that his coaches held him back in a lot of ways. Um, I was really taken aback by the fact that with a senior quarterback who had been as productive as he had been through his first three years, it seemed like once they got a lead— especially in the second half, they would take the ball out of his hands. He's running the ball a lot, but they were not pushing the ball down the field trying to put games away. And what I don't know is, was this a reflection of how they felt about Justin as the quarterback, or was this just the system they ran and it was just bad coaching? Um, that's a hard thing to t- to know without being in the locker room. Uh, I, it worries me that you take the ball out of a senior quarterback's hands. I think, like you mentioned, he has a lot of the physical traits that you look for in a quarterback. He's big. He's strong-armed. He's a good athlete. He can move quite a bit. All good things. Um, I'm not sure that I agree with the Jay Cutler comparison, Joe Flacco comparison. I guess I could see Flacco. Cutler was careless with the football in terms of making bad decisions. I don't think Herbert really makes a lot of bad decisions. He got away with some his senior year, but I think for the most part, he takes pretty good care of the football. Uh, He's not reckless with the ball. In fact, he might be overly careful with the ball. He doesn't really try to fit it into too many tight windows. Uh, He's taking the safe throw every time. And again, I don't know if that is him because he wasn't like that in his first two or three years at Oregon. So I don't know if that was him or if that was just what his coaches programmed him to do. No, see, I wasn't making the direct comparison to Jay Cutler. My direct comparison was Ryan Tannehill, and I think the Tennessee version of Tannehill was best-case scenario. What I'm saying about Jay Cutler and Flacco and even guys like Kirk Cousins is they have the intangibles, they've got the skill set, but they are frustrating as NFL quarterbacks, and they will make big-time mistakes when it counts and lose games for teams at the end. To be fair to Ryan Tannehill, he was just in the AFC Championship game. 
So that kind of quarterback can win for you if you put the right people around him and give him an offensive line to work with. You know, I think the Chargers are going to be going into more of a high-low type, easy read offense. It's the thing. It's what they ran, what Anthony Lynn ran um, in Buffalo. I think they're going to take away a lot of these option routes, a lot of the more complicated reads, and really simplify things for whomever they draft to play quarterback. So that could help Herbert in the early in the early going. And the question is, can he? ascend into being the kind of guy who's going to elevate an offense. I don't know that he's going to hurt you per se. I just don't know that he's going to elevate you. And that's the question with him, especially in the top 10 is can he elevate you? Can he win games for you when you need it? And that's something that we don't know because the co- the coaches at Oregon just didn't give him a chance to do enough of, particularly in his senior year. So um, I'm not a huge fan of Herbert. I think if you look at the way that the Chargers are going to run their offense with that high-low read, trying to make corners and linebackers make a decision between the underneath route and the deeper intermediate route with Austin Eckler underneath, Keenan Allen in the middle of the field, Henry up the seams, um, Mike Williams deep and intermediate, I think they have the weapons around him and the offensive scheme that could make him successful and hopefully – I mean, I'm not saying I hope they draft him, but if they did draft him, hopefully they cut him loose a little bit and let him be more of himself because I don't think the Oregon coaches let him do that. So I'm not a huge fan of his. He's not in my top 10 players, so I wouldn't necessarily take him in the top 10 of the draft. But understanding what the Chargers are probably going to be running from an offensive standpoint, I think he, I can, I would get it, basically is what I'm saying. I would understand why they took him if they did based on what I expect them to do from an offensive schematic standpoint, um, whether it's Tyrod back there or Herbert or Tua early on, they're going to be simplifying things and making simple reads. And I think that'll benefit Herbert if that is the way they go, even if that's not the way that I want them to go. All right, let's move on. Last quarterback here being mocked to the Chargers. It's the quarterback out of Utah State, Jordan Love. How do you feel about Love? I do not love Love. Uh, I cannot stand that guy. The idea uh, cannot stand cannot stand is a strong statement. I will say this: <laughs> I can't stand the idea of him in the top ten. Um, the idea that we should ignore the 2019 season that he had, which, by the way, involved 17 interceptions in the Mountain West Conference. Yep. Uh, because he quote unquote didn't have talent around him, is something that I think is a huge fallacy in in quote-unquote scouting circles. I think people are fooling themselves into looking at a guy who has a stronger arm. He has an above-average arm. You might even say he's got way above-average arm strength, if not elite. Mm -hmm. He can make some amazing throws, and those throws are impressive. But that's not the norm. And you can't ignore 17 interceptions in a lower-level conference just because he didn't have quote unquote talent around him. So my assessment of love is this. I think he holds the ball too long. I think he is the epitome of a one to two read quarterback. Jordan love is a guy who is going to stare down his number one, his number one option, his number one read, wait for him to get open. If he has enough time, he'll buy some time and try to out throw the coverage. When he does come off his first read, it's almost always to a, a second read who is no longer open, and he's throwing the ball into the middle of the field, into crowds. Time and time again in 2019, you saw Jordan Love throw the ball on a deep over route or a crossing route where the linebackers are sitting and waiting for him and pick the ball off because he's not seeing it, he's not understanding it, or he's flat out ignoring it and just doing whatever the hell he wants to do. So I don't think he sees the field very well. That's very concerning. Uh, There are also certain throws that I think he struggles with. I mentioned the throws in the middle of the field where defenders are waiting for it and he's trying, he trusts his arm too much and he's trying to make throws that he shouldn't be making. He also continually underthrows deep and intermediate out routes. They're behind the receivers. They're late. They're underthrown. He's tipping throws. Corners are breaking on them, making plays on the ball and taking the ball away because he's not getting the ball out fast enough, and despite the arm strength that he has, he is not putting enough zip on the ball. He's aiming the balls, and he's telegraphing throws, and that's concerning. 
So for me, Love is a guy who is getting pushed up boards because everybody wants to find the next Patrick Mahomes. They want to find the next crazy arm talent guy who can run around and make no-look throws. Jordan Love is not Patrick Mahomes. He's not half of Patrick Mahomes. He does not have Patrick Mahomes' arm talent. He does not have Patrick Mahomes' athletic ability. He is not Patrick Mahomes. And if you're trying to convince yourself that you are, you're going to be very, very disappointed at the end of the day. So for me, Jordan Love is not a top 10 player. I'm not even convinced I'd take him in the first round. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of hesitant to even take him in the second round with the kind of players that I think are going to be there in the second round. I'm I'm just not, I'm not in on Jordan Love, and I know there are people who are, and that's great for them. They're doing their own work. They're seeing what they want to see. I just don't agree with any of what they're seeing. Me neither. I, I don't like Jordan Love at all. This is a, a bad, bad case at six. Maybe I, I don't want to say worst case because I guess it could get worse, but this is really, really bad. Uh, obviously, he's an athlete at a quarterback. You talked about his big arm. He's got a good deep ball, uh, really good improviser outside of the pocket too when a play breaks down. The biggest issue, and a lot of what you're talking about, is that field vision. It's just broken. He was baited into some downright awful throws. I mean, he plays in the Mountain West. He made it, the Mountain West defenders look like he was playing in the SEC. I mean, he had no regards for any disguises or rotations. He constantly locked onto his targets. His short intermediate game is wildly inconsistent. His upside is high. I understand that because, you know, he's an athlete and he's got a big arm. But his floor is down in the cellar. If you're focused on 2018, then Love is somewhat of a fringe first-round player with upside. But then you look at all these real issues that popped up in 2019, finished with 17 interceptions, 20, uh, posted 20 touchdowns, never righted the ship when you're looking for a guy to take a step forward, went completely backwards and just got worse. He's lacking decision-making. His accuracy is bad. His football IQ is bad. He leans too heavily on turning plays into like a backyard football yep. environment. Yep. He's not a first-round talent. You're saying he's not a top-10 selection? He's not a first-round talent. So don't talk to me about being top-10. Jordan Love is not a player that should be drafted, and he'll get drafted in the first round because that's what quarterbacks do and they get pushed up. But in terms of talent and analysis of what I've watched, he is not worthy of a first-round pick. And when you're talking about drafting at the beginning of that second round, do you know how many good players are going to be there? Just like you mentioned, I'd have a, I'd be hesitant to draft him in the top of two, to be honest with you. Yeah, There's going to be a lot, that... a lot of good players. He absolutely in no way, shape, or form should be drafted at six. Even if they tra drafted back in the middle of the round, I don't think they should do it. If they somehow find a team in the 30s to trade back in the back of the first round, I start to think about it, but still, I don't love it. Jordan Love does not deserve a first-round pick. I agree. Um, he And he was also bailed out quite a bit in 19 by COC Mariner, who had a huge year for him, catching almost 70 passes and having almost 1,000 yards and I think 10 touchdowns. And he had four other receivers catch at least 40 balls or 30 balls, I think. So these are all – he had people around him who could make plays. He had three guys who had better numbers in 19 than they had in 18. So the idea that he didn't have people around him, even though he didn't have elite people around him, he did have playmakers. He just wasn't taking advantage of them because he wanted to push the ball down the field. Coming off of a situation where Rivers turned the ball over 20-plus times in his last year here, uh, do you really want a young quarterback who doesn't see the field and is forcing the ball into coverage? I don't. I don't understand the draw of that after what we just watched and what pushed Rivers out of town. It just doesn't make sense to me. So you want to say he's got a fun arm? Cool. You want to talk about some of the ridiculous throws he makes? Awesome, because he does make some awesome throws. But underthrowing, um, underthrowing the deep and intermediate out routes is a huge problem. These are quarterback 101 type timing routes where he's supposed to take three to five steps in his drop, turn and fire the ball and make a play. And he's telegraphing them and he's taking too long to get the ball out. And then the ball floats for a guy who has a really strong arm. The ball floats and it takes forever to get there because he's aiming it. That's not good. These are these are the throws that he should be cashing in on 75-plus percent of the time, and he just isn't, and that's a huge problem for me. There were also a lot of issues with him turning the ball over in the red zone, under-throwing corner routes, under-throwing jump balls where guys that are shorter than his, his receivers are making plays on balls because he's not getting it high enough or deep enough. Um, uh, you know, Late 
and behind receivers, over receivers' heads in the middle of the field, getting guys hammered in the middle of the field when he's not turning the ball over in that part of the field. All big red flags. You, I, you just, I, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, and I would just say again, he's not Patrick Mahomes. And if the desire to find somebody who can quote unquote hang with Patrick Mahomes twice a year for the next 10 years is what's pushing you to draft this guy in the first round, you're going to regret it. So, uh, yeah, definitely not in the sixth, not definitely not with pick number six, not in the first round. Like I said, I'd be hesitant at the top of two because I think they're going to be some really good offensive linemen, some linebackers, possibly mm-hmm. um, Wide receivers. receivers for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all who can help the Chargers right away. And this guy, he's not going to help them right away. Even if Tyrod's only here for a year in 2020, Love is not going to help them next year. So I would stay away. I, this is nothing like, this is nothing like Mahomes. Because watching Mahomes' tape, there were some mechanical things and some things that you look at and say. The question with him is, and I think I said this when we did that show, was, do you want to try to change him or do you want to let him be him? You can't let Jordan Love be himself. You have to fix him and you have to change him, and I think it's going to take too long. So, I'm out. We're both out. So let's uh, let's move off of quarterbacks and let's talk about um, this uh, jack of all trades here, this Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. Uh, also getting mocked to the Chargers. This is the Derwin James of this draft. Uh, versatile enough, played safety, linebacker, slot corner, and basically anything else you want to throw at him. Credible size, 6'4", 230. Unbelievable athleticism. Fast enough to hang with receivers and backs. Long enough to cover tight ends. Big enough to take on O-Lyman in the run game. Uh, he can not only line up anywhere, he can excel in both man and zone. Uh, range is basically in the building. He is unbelievable from sideline to sideline. He is one of your chess pieces of this draft. Um, the question is, where should he play in the Chargers system? Uh, ideally, for me, he's that nickel-dime linebacker that Adrian Phillips has held down for the past few years. But that's supposed to be Des King's role. If Chris Harris is inside in the slot and Des King's being pushed to that nickel-dime linebacker, where do you put Simmons? That's the question. Uh, for me, I'd play him over Des King. I think that slot is his. That's where I'd put him. But linebacker isn't a huge, huge need. So it seems like, and uh, I don't, I don't. Jamie has mentioned this, and, and I'll echo his sentiments outside of this podcast. This is a luxury pick here with Simmons, and um, he'd be a lot of fun. If we're talking about position, uh, if he's not that nickel-dime linebacker, he's probably going to be a, probably a will for me, so he can run and cover, use his speed to hit holes, get in the backfield, uh, probably could put on some weight and maybe play Mike. But um, this is a really, really fun prospect. I like Isaiah Simmons a lot, but when you're thinking about the biggest need and drafting that high, uh, you know I, I would be just as happy having Isaiah Simmons, but you also have a whole bunch of needs that you're not filling with that number six pick. So, like you mentioned, it's a luxury pick. I like Isaiah Simmons a lot. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to be blind not to like Isaiah Simmons. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's a fantastic athlete. He is a, an ascending football player. I think, you know, he's really good when he's able to come downhill and make tackles. There are times where his reads are a little slow or his angles are a little off and he's not quite where he needs to be. Um, but he's he was playing like five different positions uh, in 2019 and it's understandable that he and he's still learning all of them he's still he was a junior didn't start all three years in college uh, one thing you forgot to mention is he's a guy who got to college didn't play right away and was pissed so he hit the weight room really hard hit the film room really hard studied extremely hard and earned his playing time and worked his way up the depth chart that's the kind of guy you want on your team for sure uh, Simmons is a fantastic player he'd be a lot of fun i think i believe he weighed in closer to 240 at the combine i think he was like 236 238 something like that he's a big guy and he's still filling out i think the thing that i see with him is he's ultimately going to play mike a defensive coordinator is going to get him in the in the gym he's going to hit the 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 weights he's going to put on 10 to 15 pounds he's going to be playing closer to 250 He's going to be playing Mike in two to three years, and I don't think he's going to move around as much. He's an ideal fit at that nickel-dime linebacker, but do you want to spend a top-10 pick on a nickel-dime linebacker? I I mean, I, I'm not worried about pushing Des King to the bench or potentially trading him because I think Simmons would be an upgrade over him. That's not an issue for me at all. I, I, I really don't mind that. 
I just question if in two to three years, if he's playing Mike linebacker, if Simmons is playing Mike linebacker in two to three years, do you want to spend a top 10 pick on a Mike linebacker? And I don't think you do. I think as he gets bigger and stronger, he might lose some of that versatility. And you might not use him in the slot as much. You might not use him at safety as much. And if you're just talking about a Mike linebacker, I'm not sure the value is there at six. As fu- as much fun as it would be and as as, as much of an upgrade he, as he'd be for the defense, I, like you said, I think it's a luxury. And I'm not exactly sure I trust Gus Bradley to use him the right way. And for that reason, as much as I like Simmons, I just don't think it's a fit for the Chargers right now. I think there are other players who are who fill bigger needs and are just as valuable, if not more valuable, who can be had if two is not there at six. So as much as I like Simmons, I wouldn't hate it. I'd be I'd be okay with it. I'm just not sure it makes sense. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I mean, it's a luxury, but I love it still. And I yeah. think if you're if you're diminishing it to just a mic, yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But if you're thinking of him as a guy that you can move around and be a versatile piece that you can switch out and be the nickel dime linebacker and have him and Derwin James all over the field coming from different angles and different positions and having offenses, having to guess where those two are coming or going. I think that's pretty exciting, but also you're not feeling a big need. If you're basically pushing Des King to the bench, if we're saying he's going to be that nickel dime linebacker, you know, you still got a lot of picks to make up in the next six rounds. So you still haven't addressed any of the other positions that you needed going into the day. So I get, I get it. He's really exciting. But um, so, you know, we both like Simmons, but again, does it fit with the Chargers? Not so much. Let's talk about uh, the corner next. Let's talk about Jeff Okuda uh, at Ohio State. He's also being mocked to the Chargers. Yeah, Okuda is, he's got the size you look for. He's 6'1", 205, 210. He's got great length. Um he runs extremely well. Okuda is a guy who excels in both man and zone coverages. There are times where it seems like he's running the routes with or for the receivers. Um, his recovery speed is crazy. Even if he's not running with the receiver right away, he's usually there before the ball gets there. Uh, he's got good ball skills, even though it's hard to tell on tape because people just don't throw at him. Uh, but he breaks up a lot of passes. He had three picks, I think, each of the last two years, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Um I think he needs to get a little bit stronger. I think tackling is a little bit of an issue. He's not really like that knockdown, drag down tackler, but that can improve as you get stronger and add muscle and improve technique. I think he'll right now he's more of a help tackler, um, but I think the tackling will get better with his size as he puts on some strength. So Okuda is a guy who I really like. Um, if you're talking about best player available and filling a need, he's a guy who would be high on my list at six if two is not there. I'd be perfectly fine with taking Okuda. I think he'll be gone by then. But if he if he were on the board and Tua was not, Okuda would be a guy who would be at the top of my list. Yeah, yeah, same here. I'm a big fan of Okuda. I think he's got the best feet in this corner class. Uh, extremely good balance, flexibility. Gives him the opportunity to compete with anyone. His ball skills are great, like you mentioned. He's got the athleticism. And uh, throughout the years, it seemed like he started to get better and better as a tackler. 19, he showed a little bit of a pop and just a little glimpse of him being a good tackler. I think that'll come in the NFL. He's a one-on-one corner you can just leave on an island because he excels in man. He is my CB1. Uh, I think he's a day one starter. I think he could be potentially a top 5, 10 corner in this 
uh, in this league in the next few years. He is awesome. And for the Chargers, Okuda gives them flexibility to play a lot more man-to-man. you got Hayward on one side, Chris Harris manning the slot. you got Okuda on the other side. That gives Des King that Adrian Phillips role. Uh, this fits uh, a need, uh, best player available. Uh, if we're getting reckless with comps and stuff, since we're already doing that, and we don't do comps, but we're doing a one-off podcast, he looked like Jalen Ramsey at times to me. I loved Okuda. I'm very high on him. Uh, he is definitely really high on my board. If two is number one, Okuda might be sneaking in at number two for me. We'll probably go over you know who we would like best out of these guys we're talking about. But, um, yeah, big fan of Jeff Okuda. Yeah, how could you not be? So next up, let's go to the offensive tackles. And there have been four offensive tackles mocked to the Chargers. Let's, instead of just breaking down every single one of them, let's just kind of talk about um, each one real quick. We'll hit maybe who we like best there and who would maybe we wouldn't like there. Let's talk about Jedrick Wills from Alabama. Um, I love Wills. Uh, he is a technician. Um, I think he could easily be one of the best tackles in this class. I could see why people could think that. He's really good. Uh, only played right tackle at Alabama. Chargers need a left tackle. So with that, when you when you think about having to adjust and flip him onto the other side, I think he'd be a left tackle in the NFL. But um, maybe not your safest pick there in terms of the tackle, but an amazing player. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. You mentioned technician. He just rarely, if ever, has a bad rep. Great in pass protection, great against the run, mean, finishes. I mean, fantastic. And to be fair to him, he has been protecting to his blind side for the last couple of years. So yep. he has experience protecting the blind side, whether that's right or left. Uh, and Nick Saban did come out this week and say he thought Wills could be a left tackle in the NFL. So, I mean, Saban's one of the smartest and most accomplished coaches in the country. If he says Jedrick Wills can play left tackle, I'd probably tend to believe him. Uh, and there's a reason he was playing right tackle with – uh, with Tua back there, a quarterback as a lefty. So uh, I I love Wills. I, I'd be perfectly fine with Wills at six if other options were off the board. Uh, I do not expect the Chargers to take a tackle in the first round. I'm not even sure they'll take one in the second round, to be perfectly honest with you, regardless of what happens with quarterback in the first round. I just don't see it. But if they were going to, Wills would be high on my list. Yep, same here. All right, so let's talk about the uh, Iowa tackle, Tristan Wirfs. Uh, Wirfs is another guy. He is obviously very well coached coming out of a, you know, an offensive lineman factory at Iowa. Uh, he's known for being extremely powerful. He's a guy who basically can bench press the gym from what I understand. Very powerful legs as a squatter. He was a discus champion, a javelin champion. Uh, I mean, just a physical, powerful freak. Um, very good in the run game. Not necessarily mean in the run game but very good very good blocker uh very rarely has a bad pass rep i think there are some suggestions that he might struggle a little bit if you move him to left tackle uh some things that concern me a little bit not a big deal nitpicking but he's better than any tackle the chargers have on the roster right now including brian Balaga, i think and at least in terms of upside and physical and uh athletic ability i think he's a very good tackle he he's my tackle three uh, if other if the other two tackles are off the board at six, then I'd be okay with it. But he wouldn't be one of the first tackles I take, in my opinion. I agree with most of what you're saying. I think he's the strongest player in the draft, like you mentioned. He's basically like the mountain from Game of Thrones. If he was a tackle, he's got the athleticism, he's got the strength, uh, nasty player. Some want to kick him inside. He's played right tackle, also has three starts at left tackle, so he's got the experience of playing uh, both ends. Uh, some want to kick him inside. So um, in terms of a fit, I know that he isn't the you know day one starter at left tackle like a guy that we're about to get to. But uh, definitely a good fit for the Chargers. I could see him playing left tackle. I could see him playing right tackle. I can see him playing either guard spot. I think he's got some flexibility there. Definitely okay with Wirfs. In fact, I might bear the lead here, but I'm okay with all four of these guys at six, to be honest with you. But uh, Wirfs, a really good player, uh, the strongest player. And, man, I, I would love to see him on the left side. Uh, the next guy, Andrew Thomas, uh, he's unlike Wills and Wirfs. He has three years starting experience at left tackle. He is a people mover in the run game, a powerful blocker. Uh, he's added a slingshot technique to his arsenal I saw in 19 that I absolutely loved. I think only because of maybe some, and I'm nitpicking here, because I saw some inconsistencies with his footwork, his kick slide. I, 
I don't love that, but he is a day one starter, no doubt. I'm nitpicking there. Uh, either to, He's not the sexiest option for a lot of people. He's kind of going under the radar, but he's a damn good player. He's worthy of a first-round pick. He's worthy of number six overall. Andrew Thomas is very, very good. Yeah, Thomas is my number one tackle, um, and I love him because I thought he had the best, most consistent tape of any of the tackles as a three-year starter at left tackle in the toughest conference in the country. Uh, I love him. I, like you said, he's not sexy. He's not a flashy athlete um, like Werfs is. He's not a monster like Becton is, but he rarely, if ever, gets beat. You mentioned he's a mauler in the run game. I mean, he's a people mover. He just abuses people. He has a head slap that just about decapitates people when he lands it. Uh, I love him in pass protection. I just think you draft that guy, you slide him in at left tackle, and boom, you're you're taken care of for the next 10 or 15 years. No doubt about it in my mind. He is going to be, at the very least, a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle in the NFL, if not all pro. He is fantastic. I love him. I would be over the moon if the Chargers drafted him. Like I said, I don't think they're taking a tackle in the first round. I'd be surprised if they take one in the first two rounds, but if they were going to go that route, Thomas would be my number. He is my number one tackle, and he's in my top five players. So I love the guy, and I'd take him in a heartbeat. All right, let's talk about this last one, the monster that you were talking about, Makai Becton. Yeah, Becton is, what, 6'8", 360. He tested extremely well at the Combine. Big, physical, mean guy. There's a lot of tape of him burying people in the run game and in the pass game. Um, he is He's not as polished as Thomas and Wirfs and Wills. Uh, he's played left tackle and right tackle, which I think is a bit of an advantage for him. He might have the highest ceiling or second highest ceiling right there with Wirfs in the draft. I'm not sure he's on the same level as Worth Thomas and Wills, but he's a guy who, I mean, like I said, he's my tackle four. I don't know if you want to take the fourth right at tackle, um, in my opinion, at six, but it's a need. He's a good player. I think he's got a chance to ascend and become very good. So I wouldn't hate it, but I think there are better tackles on the board at six. There, there may be three better tackles on the board at six, in my opinion, once the Chargers are on the, on the board. Yeah, so we definitely differ here because this is my tackle one. I absolutely love Becton. I thought he showed progression throughout his college career, really broke out last year. You talk about um, his breakout campaign at the uh, Combine, uh, really impressive numbers, a gigantic size. He's got a bad attitude. I love his feet. I think that makes him a problem. I don't think anybody his size should be able to move and be as fast as he is. I think he could fit any run style. Um, I know there were some issues with his tape, and I understood all that, but to me, the length, size, athleticism gives him the combo to recover quickly enough that even though he's over-aggressive at times, he makes up for it pretty often. He's my favorite tackle. I think he's a specimen. He's got an undertaker's mentality. He's got the foot speed to be graceful enough to pick off guys at the second level. I love him. I know there's some bad weight issues. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but can you believe that a guy carrying bad weight is that athletic? So imagine getting him in an NFL weight program. There's, a, there's some question marks. I don't have concerns. I think he's got a tremendous upside, and uh, he is my favorite tackle in this class. But I do want to say, after covering all four of these tackles, um, if some of these guys are taken, Tua, Okuda, or Simmons are taken, I'm team trade down. I think the Chargers got to trade down, and either of these four guys are going to be there. And um, I don't think they have to stay pat and pick any of those guys at six. I think you trade down, collect picks, get your tackle, one of the top four tackles, and then get another pick for day two. I am absolutely all on board with trading down if Tua is not there. I'd be on board with taking pretty much any one of these four linemen. I'm just going to say this. This team drafted Pipkins, Trey Pipkins, with a third-round pick last year, and they think he's their left tackle of the future. They're going into this season. <laughs> hey, laugh all you want. This is the, this is the situation they're in. They think this guy is a left tackle of the future. Now, <laughs> they do. He's he's not though. He's not, but they <laughs> Which think makes he is. It funny. <laughs> they think he is, but he's That's not. What makes it so funny. But everybody has their opinion. It's kind of like Jordan Love, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's wrong, but yeah. It's wrong, but it's there. It's out there. <laughs> uh, so, I I do not think they're going to take a tackle in the first round. I really don't. I don't think they're going to look to bury Pipkins on the depth chart with anybody who is likely to take his spot. Um, 
and they just signed Brian Balaga. I think they're off season, not to mention Storm Norton, who granted he's a you know an XFLer, but they brought back Trent Scott. They just drafted Pipkins. They just signed Bulaga and they just signed Norton. I think they're telling us pretty much outright they're not taking a tackle in the first round. I'd be surprised. I, I think the likeliest scenario is them taking a third or fourth round developmental right tackle because they think they have their tackle in Pipkins. I think the more likely scenario is maybe them going out and signing a deal with Jason Peters after after the draft on a one- or two-year deal to help bring Pipkins along. I just don't think they're going to take a surefire left tackle and risk burying Pipkins on the depth chart and waste that third-round pick. I just I don't see it. A smart GM wouldn't let a small school underdeveloped third-round pick and an XFL player to uh, scare them out of getting a left tackle with as important as that is in this league. Uh, you know, I think they put themselves in a position where they they have convinced themselves basically that uh, they don't need a great left tackle right now because hopefully they're going to have Tua, and if they don't have Tua, they feel like Tyrod can get himself out of trouble and they don't necessarily need that left tackle. So I think they have convinced themselves that with a mobile quarterback, whoever that might be, the need for that stalwart left tackle isn't as great and that they're going to wait it out and see give Pipkins another year or two before they, they really evaluate what they're doing with him. So that, that's my opinion. I just I don't see them bearing him on the depth chart. I don't disagree with what you're saying in terms of you know they shouldn't let Pipkins and Norton stop them from getting a left tackle. Mm-hmm. I just think that's the direction they're heading in. Okay. I hope you're wrong, but I, I understand. I do too. Point. I do too. <laughs> All right. So the last guy here was kind of a late addition. Uh, we've seen his name pop up uh, late here. It is the only defensive tackle. It's Derek Brown at Auburn. Um, I think he's got great power, uh, effective bull rush, uh, excellent size, quickness off the snap. Uh, wins often when he's uh, outnumbered. Uh, great strength at the point of attack. It's a major plus. I think his ceiling is really high because he's got that power, size, and get-off combo. But um, I think some of the mental processing is a little lackluster. I think he'll need a little bit of refinement. But he's got the God-given talent. There's no question about that. Uh, he's going to be a first-round pick. I don't have a first-round grade on him. I completely understand why you draft him. I think he's got talent. But I think there's just a, too, a little bit too many question marks for a first-round pick. But... Uh, at number six, this is uh, very, very low on my list. Uh, Derek Brown should not be taken at six overall for me. I agree. I don't think they will either. I think he's probably going to wind up playing a one technique um, in a th- in a four three defense, and I think they just drafted their one or they just signed their one technique um, in Linval Joseph. So I don't think they're going to be spending a premium pick on a defensive tackle as much as I do think they need to continue to upgrade the interior of the line. I think they're more likely to do that in the middle rounds of this draft, if at all. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if they didn't draft a defensive tackle and they brought back Damian Square after the draft, depending on how things shake out. I just, I'm not crazy about this defensive tackle class. I think there are maybe three or four guys who are going to come in and play pretty well. Um, I'm, I don't see, I don't, I, I don't get the whole idea of uh, Jovan uh, Kinlaw at in the top ten or top fifteen. Don't get that at all. Um, there are guys who I think can help, but outside of Brown, I'm not sure there are any real difference makers. So I, I think they'll kind of put that off and push it down a little bit and see if they can get by with with Joseph and Square at the one technique for another year. And then we'll see what happens uh, with some of the tack- some of the young tackles, they've, defensive tackles they've got on the roster. But Brown's a good player. You mentioned it. Quickness, power. He's got some good technique. He uses his hands pretty well. You can see him on stunts and twists. He uses his hand to soften the edge and get around the edge when he needs to. Uh, he 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 splits to double teams constantly. Uh, I think there is some change of direction issues. If if the quarterback sidesteps him or moves a little bit, he has a tendency to get out of control, get out over his toes, and fall down on occasion and lose his balance. But I think Brown's a good player. I wouldn't I wouldn't take a defensive tackle in the first round unless he was generational, and I'm not sure Derek Brown. I don't think he is de- generational. So I would not take him in the top 10. Uh, I would pass. Okay, so let's go down the list because uh, we, we've talked about a lot of guys. Let's talk about our our favorites to our least favorite at six of all these guys that we've mentioned. We both agree to is the guy. Yep. He's number one. For me, I think Okuda is number two. I would agree with that. Yep. Who's number three for you? I would go with my number one offensive lineman, and that's Andrew Thomas uh, out of Georgia. I just think 
with the competition level he played at, his his abilities, the tape that he put together, I just think he's ready to step in and play right now. So if it was me making the pick and Tua and Okuda are off the board, I would go with Anthony Thomas, but I would not be upset with Wills or Wills or Wirfs. So would you uh you would take an offensive tackle over Isaiah Simmons? I would. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I think um if Tua's not there, Okuda's not there, I think you're trading down. And uh you're collecting picks and getting one of these offensive tackles. Then so if we're grouping these offense well, for me you group these offensive tackles and then Simmons. Let's talk about these bottom 3. We've got Herbert, Brown and Love. That's where I've got it. Yeah, I would I mean, I'm. We already said I'm. I'm out on love. There's nothing. So he's the least. He's the least. I'm out. If he's on the board and Tua and some of these other guys are off the board, I'm. I'm moving out as fast as I can. So he would be last on the list, and then I. I go Simmons, and Brown would be second to last. What about Herbert? Just because I can kind of see the fit and I'd understand where they were coming from, Herbert would be between Simmons and Brown for me. So. The list goes for Lightning Round Podcast because we're saying the same thing. Tua, number one. Okuda, number two. Any of these offensive tackles, Thomas Wirfs, Wills, Becton. Then you go Simmons. Then Justin Herbert. Then Derek Brown. And last but not least, Love is out the door. He doesn't even belong to be in this conversation, but somehow we're having this conversation. Jordan Love, our very last, least favorite player of these guys mocked. Uh, not a first-round player in my book, and uh, I am completely out. I agree. I wouldn't take him. Definitely not at six. Like I said, not at six for sure. I would not want to trade back up into the first if that's what they're talking about doing. I wouldn't want to do that, and I would not want to take him at the top of two. And I definitely wouldn't. If they traded back, I wouldn't want him in the middle of the round either. So I'm out. All right. That does it. A special edition of the Lightning Round podcast. I am at Garrett Jamie at lightning underscore round and we will see you next time thanks everybody thanks everybody